This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.
You're listening to From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, Peter Dugan. You just heard the Plexus Saxophone Quartet from Dallas, Texas, perform The Jig by Clint Bleal. We head out west today to meet some extraordinary young people who are driven by their love of creativity and the human connection we find through music. We'll get to hear Gabrielle Foray's Fantasy for Flute and Piano by a delightful 17-year-old who is also a synchronized figure skater. A Jack Ken Cook young artist from Las Vegas will perform a piece by a Cuban guitarist, and a violinist from Hong Kong studying at the Colburn School in Los Angeles will take us into his world in a special narrative feature. But now, let's head into the studio to meet the prodigious Plexus Saxophone Quartet, who are the winners of the Fishoff National Chamber Music Competition. Welcome to From the Top. All right, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank, thank, you. thank you. If you all would just go around and say who you are, how old you are, and which type of saxophone you all play. My name is Ian Patel. I'm 16 years old, and I play the soprano saxophone. My name is Luke Sharp. I am also 16 years old, and I play the alto saxophone. My name is Daniel Kim. I am also 16 years old, and I play the tenor saxophone. And my name is Nigel Duplessis. I am 17 years old, and I play the baritone saxophone. You all bring so much energy to that. It's obvious that you have a good time playing together. And from what I understand, you all go to high school together, right? Yes, we do. Yes, sir. We all attend Hebron High School. Um, and you've been playing together as a group for a while, right? Um, tell me about some of the advantages of being in a group that's played together for such a long time. Uh, it's amazing being able to play with some of my best friends. And I think a part of that shows in our playing as well because we've grown so close together. Our nonverbal communication has grown um, as we have progressed as a quartet. Yeah, sometimes you all just sound like almost one instrument. You're so in tune to each other. Daniel, you've said that rehearsals are almost like a hangout session, right? Yeah, at this point. It's like, like we're pretty much beyond a musical group at this point, and we're more just like a group and like just friends that hang out. So it's really fun. It's a lot of fun. I love it. Yeah, there's nothing like it. There really, you know, when I was on From the Top around y'all's age, I was on with my piano trio. And I remember that feeling of just like, oh, these are my musical compadres, but they're also my friends, you know, my best friends. It was a great feeling. Um, I need to take a moment to congratulate you all for your recent victory at the Fish Off Chamber Music Competition. It's a huge deal. You all won the gold medal in the win division. Uh, I want to hear if there were some memorable moments while you were there at the competition. Well, I'll never forget, this is Luke speaking, by the way, um, <laughs> just that final concert, and we kind of just let it all go. We weren't worried or stressed out about how the competition was or how, how the final result would end up because we already knew that we did win, and so we kind of just went out there and just gave it our all, and we just had lots of fun on stage, and that was by far the best uh, performance we've ever had. Yeah, it was a very life-taking experience just looking out at the crowd and like seeing them all erupt after we finished. I think that was like truly life-changing. You all have a lot of activities going on. Any stories about this balancing act? So I actually play football and baseball as well at the high school. One of the nights of a band concert, I also had a spring football game. You know, I was really thinking about uh -oh. how I was going to be able to get both of them to work. Mm -hmm. And turns out I actually played in the full football spring game. I'm dripping sweat, eye black on. I was bleeding a little bit. <laughs> Sprint over to the band hall while I get backstage while the band has started their first piece. Mid piece, somebody pulled a chair up for me in my still in some of my football pads. Just walk up and start playing. Wow, that's actually pretty epic. Oh, it, it, it was awesome. It was, it was very cool. I remember looking over, and then once we finished the piece, uh, our band director was like, everyone give it up for Luke Sharp, and then everyone started clapping. <laughs> that was really funny. Before we say goodbye, Ion, you need to tell a story about... <laughs> 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 You're already laughing. I love it. Yeah, you need to talk about the mishap at the Texas Music Educators Association. <laughs> oh, no. Absolutely. So Nigel hates the story for a very particular reason. Uh, yeah, maybe so, a little bit. Last year we went to we got the opportunity to perform at the Texas Music Educators Association. And on the way there, we live in Dallas and the convention is in San Antonio. So we all rode with our coach, Mr. Smith, and we were in our full quartet attire, our, our suits. 
and we drive and we make a pit stop at In-N-Out Burger. At this time, we are still fully clothed and eat our burgers in our suits. We get back in the car and arrive at the convention center. Upon arrival, we hear from the back of the car, Nigel says, I can't find my shoe. And keep in (laughs) mind, this is his dress shoe. So we tear apart the car for about 15 solid minutes and come to the conclusion that the shoe is missing. We call In-N-Out Burger. They can't find (laughs) it in their parking lot either. So we end up driving to a shoe store about 15 minutes away and buying Nigel a brand new pair of shoes right before our performance. Which I'm also currently wearing at this very moment. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky shoes. Uh, and, And you never found the missing shoe. No, I didn't. It's in the in-and-out parking lot. It's, it's somewhere. <laughs> you guys are so much fun. Great performance today. I really loved it. And congrats again on the fish-off win. That's huge. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We Thank really you. appreciate it. The Plexus Saxophone Quartet teenagers from the Dallas area in Texas, Ion Patel, Luke Sharp, Daniel Kim, and Nigel Duplessis. I just loved getting to meet those guys, such great young musicians. And stories like that one about the lost shoe is something that those four will just laugh about for years to come. Support for NPR comes from this station and from BritBox with Sister Boniface Mysteries. Brilliant crime-solving nun Sister Boniface returns to solve curious cases in this Father Brown spinoff. Available to stream at BritBox.com NPR. From Apple Music, including Apple Music Classical, a new app designed for the nuances of classical music, included with select Apple Music subscriptions and available now in the App Store. And from the listeners who support this NPR station. Next up, we're going to meet 17-year-old Erica Wang, flutist, synchronized figure skater, and a cat lover. Hey, how you doing, Erica? Good. It's good to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm really excited to play together. Tell our listeners what we've got in store. Um, So I'm playing Foray's Fantasy for flute and piano. Great. Whenever you're ready, let's take this from the top. Thank you. 
That was 17-year-old flutist Erica Wang performing Gabrielle Foray's Fantasy for Flute and Piano, and I joined her on the piano. You really sparkle with that piece. That was written to be a showpiece, right? Yes. Specifically engineered to showcase the flute as this virtuosic instrument, and you really did that. Yeah, thank you. What do you love about playing a piece like that? Um, I really like the colors that it has, um, including the exchanges with flute and piano. I think yeah. it shows a lot about the music. It does, and you get to bring out that lyricism in the first introduction to the piece and then all the showy stuff. Um, Erica, you participate in a sport that I find absolutely fascinating. I didn't even know it existed until I met you. Tell me about synchronized figure skating. So it is a very uncommon sport, and you can think of it as synchronized swimming or single skating, but with 16 people on the ice. 16. Wow. Okay, so how does that work? Um, so we complete a lot of elements. Um, we have a whole program, and it's filled with things like circles, intersections, blocks, and um, for one of them, it's called the pivoting block. We have 16 people, so we have four lines of four holding on to each other. And if one person slips and falls, the whole thing comes a tumbling down. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, the pivoting <laughs> block, it's one of the harder elements because of that. What drew you to synchronized figure skating in the first place? I mean, it wasn't a sport that I really knew existed until I started skating. Mm -hmm. But I found out there was a team at my ice rink and I see. thought it was cool to try out. It's great to be part of a team. I want to talk about another team you're part of, which is the, um, the NYO, the National Youth Orchestra of the United States of America, and you got to travel to Europe. It sounds like it was a really cool experience. Yeah, it was definitely the best month of my life. The best month of your life. Tell me about it. So we got to um, live in Purchase College for two weeks to practice mm -hmm. um, the entire orchestra. And for two weeks, we got to tour Europe, including Amsterdam, Berlin, Naples, and Lucerne. Wow. Beautiful destinations. <laughs> and I heard you got to meet one of your flute idols. We got to meet Sir James Galloway. Um, the entire flute section got invited to his house for afternoon tea. Ooh, that's more than just meeting him. You got to actually have afternoon tea? Yeah, it was definitely like a dream come true for me. And what was he like? Um, he was very kind and for someone that famous, he was very like down to earth. Down and to earth, yeah. Easy to talk that's to. The best. And how was the tea? Um, well, we had some tea, but it was mostly cakes yeah. and... That's, things like that. The, the tea is just an excuse to eat the cakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're also a leader among your peers in the music world. You've organized the Carmel Valley Summer Symphony, right? Yeah. Um, I run that organization with some of my friends at school. It was actually founded by someone at my school, um, Esther, a few years back, and we've continued on running it. Tell me about what went into organ. I mean, you're 17 years old and you're telling me that you put together a symphony. <laughs> this is no small feat. Tell, tell me about what went into that. It's definitely very hard. Um, we had to learn how to run an orchestra, how to get concert venues, practice spaces and everything. And basically what we do is we organize up to 100 or even more kids to play in an orchestra together over the summer because a lot of kids don't really get to have that experience if like during the year if they're busy. So yeah. it was a great way for kids to learn ensemble playing. And it's a truly student-led effort. Yeah. That's so impressive. Yeah, I think part of me is wishing that I had that experience when I was younger too, to have played in more orchestras. Mm -hmm. So it's really fun getting to see more kids experience that joy. Good for you. Thanks for sharing the joy. That's wonderful. Before you go, Quick conversation about cats. You have a cat. I do. Tell me a little bit about why your cat's special. Um, we got him when he was around four months old, and I take him out on leash walks. So <laughs> we've been to a lot of national parks or different states. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Siberian forest cat, so he's around 16 to 17 pounds. <laughs> he also has a triple coat, so that makes him look extra fluffy. Right. And I've heard he's hypoallergenic. I mean, sort of. Siberian cats are known to be hypoallergenic, but I'm still allergic to him. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. The love is too deep. Yeah. Well, that's so great. Um, Erica, 
you play the flute so well, but you're so much more than just a flutist. You're just a wonderful human being, and it's great to spend time with you. Yeah, thank you for having me here. 17-year-old flutist Erica Wang from San Diego, California. I just loved working with Erica. She was so prepared on the technical side of things that we were able to have a lot of fun digging into the interpretation and the creative element. And I even got to meet Erica's cat, who traveled with her to the studio. And I have to say, he is nearly as impressive as Erica. And now for another impressive young musician, the very talented 16-year-old guitarist, Brady Davis. Brady, welcome to the show. Hi, Peter. It's so great to have you. Um, tell me a little bit about the piece you're going to play. So um, Brower, the guy who composed the piece, is uh, one of my favorite guitar composers. He's yeah. a very well-known guitar composer. Um, I like his pieces because a lot of them can sound funky at times. Yeah. And I really like the 5-8 uh, time signature in the piece. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, the title of this? Uh, it's called El Cameron Negro. Awesome. When you're ready, go ahead and take it from the top.
16-year-old guitarist Brady Davis from Las Vegas, Nevada, performed Leo Brower's Le Decameron Noir, the first movement, La Arpe de Guerriere. Um, Brady is one of our Jack Ken Cook young artists. Brady, that was a stunning performance. Such variety of sounds and color and moods that you bring out in the guitar. I loved it. Thank you. I want to talk a little bit about life as a classical guitarist in Las Vegas. Paint that picture for me. It's certainly different compared to other instruments. And um, I try to expose people to classical guitar that aren't normally exposed to classical guitar because uh, a lot of the times you'll be seeing violinists and cellists. And yeah, yeah. A lot of those types of people, they'll be in competitions. But it made me feel really good to know that I could win competitions too as a classical guitarist. Yeah, beating yeah. out beating out those violin showpieces with that soulful guitar music. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Go, go Brady, you know, Thank good you. for you. Um, you come from a really musical family, right? Yes, I do. Tell yes. me about them. So my mother's a violinist and my uncle's a violinist. Um, my mom has played with people like Barbra Streisand, mm. um, Smokey Robinson. She plays in Las Vegas, right? Like Yes, yeah. yes. And she, she taught middle school, of course, and she teaches, so that. Cool. And then my uncle played with Celine Dion, too. Wow. Yes. With these superstar violinists, you know, your mom and your uncle in the family, how'd you end up with guitar? Um, I first got a guitar for Christmas when I was five. Mm-hmm. And my mom started having me take lessons. And I really got inspired by like having musicians in the family, of course. Right. My mom helped me uh, get to where I am. And yeah. my uncle would also give me a lot of inspiration. He put on things on YouTube. Like mm-hmm. I would see John Williams playing. Yeah, yeah. And it would really inspire me. I want to be like, oh, yeah, I want to be that good. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, But they never tried to push you to be a violinist. No, they didn't. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, your mom was here with you, and we were chatting with her yesterday, and she was like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't want that. Yeah, they yeah. want me to pursue a different life, yeah. I guess, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like you're a natural with the guitar. Thank you, thank you. Brady, there's something that all classical guitarists have in common, which folks just listening at home might not be aware of. The nails of your right hand are like part of your musical instrument in a way, right? Yes, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the nail care that is like crucial to being a classical guitarist so you have to have a nail file pretty much at all times Mm -hmm. in case you break a nail or your nail isn't good for when you're playing guitar so you file you sand yes yeah um and what happens god forbid if you break a nail i put on a fake nail which is like an acrylic nail Uh tough glue like a it's called Bondini. My teacher puts it on sometimes and helps me, of course. What Do you do anything or take any measures to try to protect the nails or prevent cracking? Um, I try to play less sports. Uh, no basketball, of oh, course. Yeah, you right. know, basketball's fun. Yeah. You know, it's tough on your nails. And I try to wrestle less with my brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds like it could be dangerous. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, I, I honestly do find it fascinating that that's a whole part of being a classical guitarist is, you know, maintaining that. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool. Um, before you go, I want to, again, congratulate you on receiving oh, the you. Jack Kent Cook Award. Uh, what do you plan to do with the funds? Um, I already got a new guitar with it. You did? I'm was that, That's happy. the one that you that were just performing? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. What kind of guitar is it? It's a Stephen Connor. It's a cedar guitar, and it was made in Boston in 2010. It sounds beautiful. Yes. You had such a range of color and control on it. it was, Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Brady, thanks so much for hanging out with us today and for that fantastic performance. Cool. Thank you, Peter. That was Brady Davis from Las Vegas, Nevada, 16 years old. Well, we have to take a break now, but don't go away. Coming up, I team up with an 18-year-old violinist from Hong Kong studying at the Colburn School in Los Angeles for a performance of a flashy piece by Saint-Saëns. He will also tell us about a mysterious letter he receives. Stay tuned to hear the story. You're listening to From the Top, and I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Did you know that From the Top posts short, beautiful videos of our young musicians every day? The series is called Daily Joy. Treat yourself to youthful inspiration daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need. jkcf.org. From Dignity Memorial, 
helping families plan life celebrations now so their loved ones are protected later. Because nobody should have to plan for a loss while they're experiencing one. Learn more at DignityMemorial.com. And from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation at rwjf.org. This is From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. I'm so grateful to be here with all of you this week and every week, thanks to the generosity of Susan and Gerald Slavitt. And now, let's hear from an 18-year-old violinist, Blues Zhang, and we're going to find out why a stranger slipped a mysterious letter under his door. So I was born into a musical family. My dad is a jazz musician. My mom is a violinist who works in an orchestra. So I kind of have no choice but to start learning the violin because my mom is a violin teacher as well. So I think it just comes really natural. It did not want him to become a musician at the beginning. You may lose the interest of music Although we all know the career is very tough, as musician, normally you don't really get what you paid for. My mom was my main teacher, and she was listening to me practicing, also giving advice most of the time. And she can be really tough and demanding sometimes. So sometimes made me question myself like do I really want to play violin for the rest of my life and also seeing my friends who are just as good as me or even better than me just make me feel like well the classical world they don't need that many violinists so I always question myself but to be honest I enjoy doing what I'm doing right now Actually, before coming to the U.S., I was studying in a normal um, middle school with a lot of schoolwork. And that time I realized that I want to be a full-time musician. I want to spend most of my time making music in a place that I can fully um, do what I want to do. And I think um, studying in the U.S. is a better choice for me because I can practice anytime. Um, and I have a fairly flexible schedule. In the States, he is not only be able to get the best training, but also to meet so many outstanding and excellent people all over the world from different backgrounds. I take a lot of time exploring the city and also to hang out with my friends. So I'm not just practicing 24-7, but also I'm living a life and balancing the both things. One of the experiences that occurred to me when I was auditioning for schools, it was actually the day before I auditioned. I was practicing really hard in the hotel, and there's a letter slip underneath the door. Maybe he played too loud and disturbed other guests. But it was actually from the guests across my room. Here is the letter I want to share to the talented violinist in room A21. You play beautifully. They have so enjoyed listening to you rehearse, especially your third movement of the Dvorak Concerto. 
whatever you are in town for. We hope it goes as well as it can possibly go. Wherever your career in music takes you, we hope it always brings you joy, excitement. You have worked so hard to get to this moment. Please know what an incredible achievement this is. Signed, the composer and former violinist across the hall. So I was really touched by it, and it actually motivated me to play well in my audition. And I was really grateful to it. It is very inspiring and encouraging letter. He kept in his violin case, remind himself always embrace the challenge and dream will come true. You know the kindness of strangers and its impact cannot be underestimated. And for us musicians, just hearing a kind word about our playing can make all the difference. I mean, I'm sure that blues played even better at his audition because of that. So here's blues now performing the introduction in Rondo Capriccioso of Camille Saint-Saëns. I'm Peter Dugan, and I'll be at the piano with him.
18-year-old violinist Blues Zhang performed the introduction in Rondo Capriccioso of Camille Saint-Saëns. I'm Peter Dugan, and I join Blues on the piano. I really loved working with him. He brings so much soul to that piece, and of course, he just shines in all that technical passage work. Our final performance on today's show is from 19-year-old pianist Celine Chen. I have to say, Celine really struck me with the warmth and the kindness that she brought to everyone in the studio. Celine, hi. Hi. Welcome to From the Top. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's so great to meet you. You've brought a fantastic new piece for the piano. What are you going to be performing? I'm going to be performing Stephen Huff's Fanfare Toccata. Great. Whenever you're ready, take it from the top. Okay. Thank you. 
that was 19-year-old pianist Celine Chen from Valencia, California, performing the Fanfare Toccata by Sir Stephen Huff. What a fantastic performance of that piece, Celine. It's so difficult, and you, you just make the piano roar and sparkle. It was fantastic. Thank you. What about hearing it made you say, like, I've got to get my hands on that sheet music and learn it? I think it was just the beginning and the ending that really struck me. It was just like loud and exciting and it was just different from like all the other pieces that I've been doing. So I really wanted to play it. You are currently studying at USC. Just give me a brief overview of what your life is like right now. So I'm a freshman at USC. I'm double majoring in piano performance and psychology. And you're, you also are a flutist too. Yeah. I also play the flute. Tell me about your origins. I mean, you were born in Indonesia And what brought your family to the U.S.? So my brother and my parents were actually already in the U.S. He was diagnosed with a speech delay in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So they decided to bring him here for speech therapy. And then after he got like a lot better. So then we decided to move the whole family. Wow. Yeah. Once you arrived in the U.S., how old were you when you came to the U.S.? Seven. Seven. Um, Talk to me about what that transition was like. No, it was (laughs) pretty rough because I didn't really, I didn't know a word of English. So I entered first grade without really understanding anything. It was hard to make friends, obviously, because I couldn't speak the language. So what helped you get through that initial struggle with feeling like maybe an outsider? When I went to junior high, I joined band. And then Mm. that really like allowed me to make a lot of friends because it was like we all had one passion and it was music. Well, by that time, I could speak English, (laughs) but then it was just easier because everyone loved music and then it was just easier to connect, I guess. You've talked about the idea of fulfilling intergenerational dreams in the sense of how your relationship with music kind of connects to your grandparents. And I know you've lost some of your grandparents. Mm -hmm. Can can you share with me a little bit about what that means to you? Mm-hmm. So my grandma was really supportive of me, like learning the piano. She wanted right. to get me like my own like grand piano, but unfortunately she passed away. So I feel like every time I perform music, it's kind of for her. Like, oh look where I've where I am now, like because mm-hmm. of your support. Yeah. And then I also lost my grandpa, who was also very supportive of me. Um, I was actually on in Europe touring with my chamber group when he was diagnosed with cancer and battling cancer. Mm. And then we unfortunately lost him while I was still in Europe. So it was like, it was the second concert. Oh, my chamber group, I performed with my cousin. So, you know, we like dedicated our second concert to him. Oh, that's great. I first played the piano on my grandmother's piano and like, Mm. you know, she passed away not long ago. And I kind of remember that same feeling of like, gosh, I, I don't know if I would be where I am right now without that person. It's, yeah. it's powerful. You had mentioned that you're studying music and psychology. You're a double major at USC. I want to take a minute to kind of learn about what research you've been involved in and what your dreams are for the future. If you see a future for yourself that combines those passions and brings them together. Yeah, so I'm a research assistant at the Brain and Music Lab. I'm part of the Music and Nostalgia Project, so that's already a collaboration between music and psychology. And then as a piano performance major, uh, we have to do a a project at the end of our year. It's called like the Young Artist Project, I think. So my brother was diagnosed with ADHD as well as the speech delay, Mm -hmm. but he also plays the violin, and I just saw like over the years how much he grew to love the violin and how he could like perform, how he could practice, even though he supposedly has attention problems. Mm. Like he has no trouble focusing just because his love for music like transcends that. Mm. It doesn't stop him from from doing what he wants to do. So I thought, oh, maybe that's the case for other people diagnosed with those kinds of mental illnesses. So I wanted mm. to kind of dedicate my Young Artist Project to kind of support that hypothesis, to figure out like, whether that can actually happen and kind of reform music therapy or make it better and more suited to those kind of people. Right. And, I mean, a study like that, if your hypothesis turns out to be correct, could have real-world applications Mm -hmm. in terms of helping to bring more music into schools. Yeah. Um, You know, it could be really far-reaching 
effects. Yeah. So um, that's great that you great work that you're doing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I hope it also can break the stigma uh, surrounding mental disorders, and mm-hmm. particularly like musicians. I don't think a mental disorder can stop you from doing what you love yeah. and doing yeah. what you want to do. So I hope my research can can kind of start break that down. Yeah. I hope so too. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Celine. Thank you for having me. 19-year-old pianist Celine Chen from Valencia, California. That conversation with Celine was really beautiful and just left me feeling deeply, deeply inspired. If you listen to the program often, you know how I feel. It's, it's young people like Celine and all the other musicians we feature on the program who are going to steer us into a better future, and a brighter future. And that's our show for today, folks. It's been an honor getting to know all these kind, insightful, creative young people. I loved playing with some of them and learning from all of them. And to you listening at home or in the car or perhaps while getting a manicure at the nail salon. Thanks for spending this time with us. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. Be sure to join me next week, and we'll take it from the top. Thank you to sound engineers Sergei Parfenovand and Francesco Perlangeli at the Colburn School in Los Angeles, and to Kent Stump at Crystal Clear Sound in Dallas, Texas. From the Top is produced by Megan Swan and Jessica Tickton. Sound design and music editing by John Escobar, with editing and mastering by Rodrigo Cuenca. Our production manager is Amanda Roth. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency connecting young people with the arts in schools and in their communities. Learn more at massculturalcouncil.org. From BritBox, with the Confessions of Franny Langton, one woman's story of courage, murder, and forbidden love in this new original drama. Available to stream at BritBox.com NPR. And from listeners like you, who donate to this NPR station. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash NPR. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.